So we'll see you there just for an hour because that, that is a, a one of our, our great first steps uh, for, for people as you, as you, as you look at uh, your walk with the Lord, but also coming and being a part of this church family. We want to enable you because we believe that God's given you a plan and a purpose. He's gifted you with uh, some things in your heart uh, that can make a difference in our world. So we want to encourage you. We want to be your biggest cheerleaders around that. So I'd love to see you there. I'm on today. I'm on there, so I'm going to be there at 12 o'clock. It'll be awesome to see you. Uh, when our kids were little, when our kids were small, uh, there was this game that we used to play called Guess Who? Uh, and, and it's those games where you've got all the little pictures of the faces on, and, and you've got to take the card, and you've got to explain, tell, talk about some of the facial features on the card that you've got, like, oh, my person has got glasses, or they've got no hair, or they've got a pointy chin. And, and you would kind of explain this so that the other person, which for me it was my daughter who was about eight, uh, and they would guess, trying to guess who the person was by the little card that I had. And, 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 and she was so good at this game that it, it felt like well, for half an hour, I lost every single game to this eight-year-old kid. And, and, and as, so as, as a good dad, I thought, I've got to start winning. I've got to come back here. So I come up with this amazing strategy, uh, and it was really simple. It was really effective, and it worked really, really well, and that was to cheat. And so what you did, instead of picking up one card, I would pick up two or three because you could get a little supply. And after a few games of, after winning, like it was just like a miracle turnaround. I started winning right from there. And, and you could kind of switch the cards and stuff. But after about five games, this eight-year-old kid, Taylor, uh, she worked it out. Uh, she saw what I was doing and it was all over. But, but I started winning at that game and the game was just simple. It was just like, guess who it is? Guess who it was? So, so dads, I must say that cheating is wrong. It's bad. Okay, don't do it, especially for your children. When you're playing children's games, don't cheat. Okay. <laughs> but here was the thing. It was, I think in all of our journeys, in all of our stages of life, we always run into people where they surprise us. They surprise us by doing things or saying things, and, and where we didn't expect that they would do that. And it kind of leaves you wondering, who? Who are you? Who, who is that person? Why did that happen? And, and there's times in our lives that we, we actually do this with God at the same time. That, you know, that it's those times when maybe we've got one of our loved ones and they're, they're unwell, they're sick. And, and God, we know that you are a healer, but they don't seem to be getting better. And there's times when, when maybe we, 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 look, we can lose jobs, we get made redundant or stuff happens at work and, and we know that God is a provider, but, but we're not necessarily seeing that right here, right now. And we, sometimes we question, we, we come to God and we start to pray to Him and say, God, like, who are you really? Your word says this, but I'm not seeing that in my life. And this coming Easter... I want us to really to look at the story of, of Easter and, and what, what happened and how it started, but also how it, it affects us today. Because here's the, the underlying fact of everything about Easter is that, that Easter, Jesus brought you and I's freedom. That we won't have to be subject to our past, our history, the things we've done and, and carry the weight of that because here's the thing, we can't carry the weight of that. Some of you tried, and you're still trying. Uh, but this Easter, uh, Jesus came that we may find freedom in him. Freedom from our past, freedom from our stuff, our junk, freedom to move forward uh, with his grace in our life. And, and so come on, let's pick up, pick up this story today. And, and it's in your notes there, Matthew 
21, and, and this is an amazing piece of scripture this morning. So, so Matthew 21, verse 1 to 10, you can follow along in your notes here. It says, as Jesus and the disciples approached Jerusalem, they came to a town called Bethage on the Mount of Olives, and Jesus sent two of them ahead, go into this village over there, he said. As soon as you enter it, you will see a donkey tied there and its colt beside it. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone asks you what, is, what you are doing, just say, the Lord needs them. Uh, and he, he will immediately let you take them. Uh, this took place to fulfill the prophecy that said, tell the people of Jerusalem, look, your king is coming to you. He is humble and riding on a donkey. Actually, riding on a donkey's colt. Uh, the two disciples uh, did as Jesus commanded, and they brought the donkey and the colt to him, and they threw their garments on the colt, and he sat on them. Most of the crowd spread their garments on the road ahead of them, and, and others cut branches from trees uh, and spread them on the road as Jesus was at the center of the procession. And the people all around him were shouting, praise God for the son of David is here. Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Praise God in the highest heaven. The entire city of Jerusalem was in an uproar as he entered. Who is this, they asked. And the crowds replied, it's Jesus. See, this, this is an amazing piece of scripture, and it's, and it's been called the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. And, it's, and, and you might have heard of Palm Sunday. It's where they, they, laid the, they cut branches of trees down. They laid things on the road, and Jesus in his procession on this donkey, they walked over uh, those things. And, and, and it was an amazing parade, a procession of somebody really, really important. And, and there was an incredible atmosphere in the city. There was expectation as Jesus arrived into the city. And the Bible says that the city was in an uproar. And the crowds were questioning, like, who is this guy? Who is he really? And the crowd started shouting, praise God, Hosanna in the highest. They, they said, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. But the thing I want us to remember or to understand right here is this, is that these were the same people, the same crowd, that yelled, Hosanna on Sunday. Then they turned around and yelled, crucify him on Friday. Same people. The cheers turned into jeers in a very, very short time. And, and here's the thing. Everybody who was there and they were looking, they were looking for something in Jesus. They were looking for something different in Jesus. And, and most of them were actually disappointed on that day. Because to the crowds, uh, the crowds, they wanted a miracle man. Uh, they wanted a miracle man. They, they loved the fact that, that he taught in parables. He was easy to understand. He, he was way easier to understand than the, than the preachers of the Pharisees. They, they were attracted to him because he was vigorous and, and he was like a dynamic leader. And they liked it when he put the Pharisees in their place. But all of the qualities of Jesus the crowds loved, they loved him the most as the miracle man. Then there was another group of people in the, in the crowd. They were called the Pharisees, and they wanted the ritual Jesus. They, they, the, they thought the most important matter of religion was, was to be found not in what they believed, but how they prayed and how they looked and how they ate, how they washed. Uh, their greatest fear, the Pharisees' greatest fear, was that, that their whole culture that, that they created would be absorbed into the culture of this pagan world. So, so they emphasized all the little details of being clean and unclean and the little rituals, thousands and thousands of them. 
that made them who they were. Jesus often broke those rules, which was really cool to read in the Bible. He often broke those rules and that the Pharisees had set up. And because he came preaching in a real way, that God was through uh, knowing God was through having faith in him. To the extremists, they were there as well. They, they wanted a military Jesus. They wanted a military Jesus. They were the radical nationalist kind of people who were ready to use force and even terrorism back then to overthrow the, the Roman Empire, the government that was there. And, and they expected Jesus to come in with a with his sword and to call his followers to arms. And at any moment, they wanted Jesus to be the leader of the resistance movement. And they wanted a military Jesus who was strong and a warrior fighter to raise up their army to fight against the Roman Empire. To the disciples, they wanted a victorious Jesus. And see, they began following Jesus when the crowds were, were all around him and, and they were thinking of the prizes and not the costs. Uh, they were the chosen 12, like the true believers uh, for Jesus there. And, and they thought Jesus would be quickly accepted by every person, e even though he kept hinting about the persecution that was going to come to him and his followers. See, Jesus himself was a picture of a suffering servant. And he made it clear that following him meant taking up a cross. Uh, see, the, the crowds assumed that he would do even more miracles. The, the Pharisees, they, they had already decided that they didn't really like Jesus. The extremists, they were thrilled because they, they thought Jesus was finally going to bring around a revolution. Then the disciples, they expected that this was going to be the greatest week of popularity and glory in their lives. This will happen before uh, Good Friday, the, the, the week before. And, and, and I can I encourage you to get into your Word of God and read through the Word of God, through, through Scripture about this story. And the book of Matthew and all the Gospels, you will see it there. But, but here's the thing. When somebody really, really important comes to town, uh, you, you know it. Uh, you, you know that they're coming. This can be ceremonies and events and maybe balls. Maybe there's a walk around of, of, of a parade shaking people's hands and in their honor. And they have, generally, they have the best ride available, the biggest entourage, but, but not Jesus. He rode in on a donkey. <laughs> a donkey. What's with that? Today in our important people kind of world, you know, like, like when the, the president or someone a very important comes down, like the president, they come, they have a real flash, expensive ride. And, and maybe it's something like this one here that's going to hopefully pop up on the screen right there. You know when that person comes to town. Uh, this is actually old Donald Trump's car and estimated to cost $15.8 million. The doors are 20 centimeters thick of armored plating. Uh, they weigh the same as a Boeing 757 passenger jet door. The windows are, are bulletproof with 12 centimeters thick. Uh, uh, they can actually seal off the cabin in case of a chemical attack. Uh, but wait, there's more. Uh, this thing is so heavy, it has its own transport plane uh, that flies around behind them. And it's, it's actually a 2018 Cadillac, Cadillac limo nicknamed The Beast. It's a vehicle that... If it popped up, if it stopped up outside your house, you would know somebody really important was coming for dinner, coming for tea. <laughs> but Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey and on a donkey's colt. Not really a ride for a king, but but this ride here will set you back about two thousand dollars on trade me. There's a donkey there. 
The only catch with this one is you have to go and pick it up from New Plymouth, but you can get one. Yeah. 500 years before Jesus ever come to town, the prophet Zechariah, he prophesied that the king, their king, would ride into Jerusalem on a donkey. 500, probably 500 plus years before uh, Jesus ever made this trip, this Palm Sunday trip, this triumphal entry into Jerusalem, the prophet Zechariah prophesied it. And so when Jesus was coming in and, and, and asking for that donkey, you know, he could have asked for something more important, like we would say the flash car, the flash chariot, or the stallion horse, or something really, really important, but that's not who Jesus really was. Jesus come as a servant to all. And 500 years ago, uh, as Zechariah prophesied this, when Jesus finally rode that donkey into town, he was fulfilling what the scriptures had foretold through that prophet Zechariah, that Jesus is the Christ, that he is the son of the living God, and he has arrived. Look at what Zechariah said in, in chapter 9, verse 9. He said, Rejoice greatly, O my people. Shout for joy, for look, your king is coming. He is the righteous one, the victor, yet he is lowly, riding on a donkey's colt. For us today, we, we struggle to, to kind of picture this because it doesn't fit with our picture of somebody very, very important. You know, the, the fame and the glory and the, and the power and the wealth and all of those, the, the, the looks of how the entourage should be. Jesus coming on a donkey. He come for you and for I because who he really was, he was the Messiah. He was fulfilling scripture that was foretold many many years beforehand. So here's the question for you as we run up to Easter this year is that, so who is this Jesus really? Who is he to you? And I've got a few thoughts about what can we do to really experience the hope of Easter this year. Well, the first thing is this, is that to make Jesus the king of your life. That's the first step, to know God, to, to make him your king. Galatians 2.20 says, for I have been crucified with Christ and I know myself no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the real life I now live within this body is a result of my trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Now see, when we make God, Jesus our King, we are trusting in him with our lives and for whatever that entails. We are trusting in him with our lives. You see, is it always going to turn out the way we think and the way we desire? No, no, not always. Uh, but if we truly realize in our heart that God loves us more uh, than we do ourselves, we will begin to see that, that although all through life it doesn't always turn out how we desire, but there is purpose and he's still got a plan for our life. See, the sooner we embrace God's love for us, the sooner we can accept what comes our way. The second thing is this, really quick fire this morning. The second thing is this, is to let Jesus redeem your life. Titus chapter two. It's not, redeem is not a word we kind of hear about a whole lot today, but I'll explain it to you really quickly. Here it is, Titus chapter two, verse 14. He gave his life to free us from every kind of sin, to cleanse us. See, I, I think that's, that's incredible when you sit back and think that. 
that God not only just forgives us, which is unbelievable, is amazing, but that he would cleanse us as well. Like make us brand new. Like make you brand new. Like from your past and from your hurts and your pain and, and the stuff that's going on, that, that our Savior would come and forgive and cleanse, wipe clean, make brand new. What a thought this morning. That every kind of sin, he, he would cleanse us and to make us his very own people totally committed to doing good deeds. See, the word redeem means this. It means to buy out, to buy out. In Bible terms, this term was, was used specifically in references to, to purchasing a slave's freedom. And if we are redeemed, then our prior condition was one like being enslaved by something or enslaved to something. And the Bible says that something was called sin the stuff that we carry around with us. And God has purchased our freedom. And we no longer have to live under that bondage of sin. This is the Easter story, everybody, that Jesus Christ come and did this for us. Here's the thing. We have to let him redeem us. We have to let him. And the truth is we are unable to do it from ourselves. A slave can't free themselves. They have to be purchased or redeemed. See, maybe you've tried all sorts of things in all ways. You've, you've found methods and, and trying to find freedom from, from your journey. And can I say today that only Jesus is able to purchase your freedom and to cleanse you and to bring you into a family of God. It's only found in him. John 8, 36. So if the Son sets you free, you are truly free. If the Son of God, if Jesus sets you free, you will be free. You will be truly find freedom in Him. So it kind of implies that, that some of the stuff are maybe all well-meaning and really, or really, really helpful and really good. But, and we can find skills to dealing with things. But, but ultimately, if Jesus sets you free, you will be free. He will pay your debt. The third thing is this, is to ask Jesus to be your saviour. Ask Jesus to be your saviour. The Eastern message, John three sixteen and 17. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. And God sent his son into the world not to judge the world. He didn't send his son to judge you today. He didn't send his son to to have an opinion about you and your stuff and your history and your record. He just sent his son to pay your price, no matter what. No matter what. Not to judge you, but to save the world through him. And all we have to do is ask. It's a free gift. And it's easy. It's like ABC. The first thing we have to do is just admit. Admit that, that you're a sinner, we're a sinner, that to sin means to do something wrong and that separates us from God. And all of us have done that. I could ask for a show of hands and there won't be any hands left down. Every one of us has done that. I don't want you to lift your hands. And B, B is to believe. Believe in Jesus and put your trust in him. His death on the cross 2,000 years ago uh, was an act of selfless love that he took your stuff and my stuff upon himself and all of humanity's. They're making it possible for all people to encounter God. See, believe that Christ has died for you and for all of your sins. See, 
is this, is to confess, to confess Jesus Christ, to tell him your stuff. To confess to Jesus Christ as Lord and your Savior, this means acknowledging that he is your boss, that he is your king. Come on, why don't we check out the big screens right now. The Bible says my king is the king of the Jews. He's a king of Israel. He's a king of righteousness. He's a king of the ages. He's a king of heaven. He's a king of glory. He's the king of kings. And he's the Lord of lords. That's my king. I wonder do you know him? My king is a sovereign king. No means of measure can define his limitless love. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. Do you know him? He's the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed the horizon of this world. He's God's son. He's a sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He is the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the fundamental doctrine of true theology. He's the only one qualified to be an all-sufficient savior. I wonder if you know him today. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He strengthens and sustains. He guards and he guides. He heals the sick. He cleans the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captives. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the age. He rewards the diligent and he purifies the meek. I wonder if you know him. He's a key to knowledge. He's a wellspring of wisdom. He's a doorway of deliverance. He's a pathway of peace. He's a roadway of righteousness. He's a highway of holiness. He's a gateway of glory. Do you know him? Well, his life is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous. And his yoke is easy. And his burden is light. I wish I could describe him for you. He's indescribable. He's incomprehensible. He's invincible. He's irresistible. Well, you can't get him out of your mind. King. Come on, why don't we take a moment right here and can I invite you to, to close your eyes and and maybe this is all new for you today and but please just rest assured we're not gonna embarrass anyone. But I just want to invite you just to let the presence of the Lord just come and speak to you today. And 
that he would come and answer your, your prayers maybe. Maybe for situations that are going on and you just don't know. You don't know what's going to happen. You're, you're guessing what's going to happen here. Can I say today that I, I believe in the, that my king is the king of the universe, that he has a plan for you. And, and maybe today he's just going to whisper into your ear right here in this moment, his words of love. I reveal plans to you, give you, give you thoughts and ideas, some strategies, and the next steps for you. Almighty God, we praise you this morning. Father, I just pray right now that, that Lord, you would come and, and speak, Father, that you would open hearts and open doors, Lord, and, and, and people's hearts and lives, that, Lord Jesus, they would know without a shadow of a doubt that you are real, that you are Jesus the Christ, the Son of the living God, and that you gave yourself for each one in this place. Maybe you were here this morning and, and, and you would say that you're, you're not a Christian. You've, been, you've come with some friends today and I want to give you just as we close in the next two minutes just, just an opportunity. And it's, real, it's really simple. It's, it's like this today that I'm, I'm going to invite you to, just to pray a simple prayer just after me. And it's, it's kind of coming to that point in life where what we've been trying is not working and, and you've kind of felt that you're in your heart right now that that there's somebody's knocking at the door of your heart. And can I say, that's the Lord. Jesus is, comes and he knocks at the door of it. He's not going to force his way in, but he knocks. And he asks that question, will you accept me? Will you accept my plan for your life to give you freedom for your journey? And if that's you today, I just want you to pray this simple prayer, this silently in your heart. Pray, pray this after me. Pray, dear God, today I surrender my life to you. I know I've sinned, but, but Jesus, I know today that you died for me. I turn from my old life and I turn to you. Come in and be the king of my life. Make me brand new today. I choose to live my life for you. In Jesus' name, amen. And just while every eye is closed and I'm just going to ask you to do something real brave. If you prayed that prayer for the first time or, or maybe just coming back to the Lord, you've walked away. And just while no one's looking around, I'm going to, going to ask you to do something really brave, just to pop your hand up and give me a wave so, so I can see. And, and it's like stepping over a line and declaring that today I'm going to live for Him. So right now, come on. If that's you this morning, we'd love to pray with you after our service and get some information to your hands. If you prayed that prayer right now, I want you to give me a, a quick wave right now as I look around. How many people this morning accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior today? Hallelujah. Praise your name, oh God. Awesome. Come on, church. Can we, can we give a big round of applause for every person?